don't know if you notice we have a few more ups and downs in this service. Just know how much you're going to eat tonight and tomorrow. Just trying to get you ready for that. Um, it's not hard. It's not a not really a stretch to say that uh, most of us, many of us, uh, like fairy tales, uh, hero stories, legends, fantasy. You know, just look at what uh, the Marvel Enterprise has has done at the box office. Um, or maybe you're a Star Wars fan, has a much better storyline than Marvel, so you, we all really like the fantasy stuff. Um, or all for all you kids, all the, the, the Disney sort of fairy tale movies that have existed seeming, seeming like forever, and now they just remake them because they can't come up with any new ones. Um, so we're, we're drawn to these type stories, and then we're caught up into them. We just we love them, you know, for a variety of reasons. I'm, I'm sure there are a ton of reasons why we like them. But deep down, um, I think one reason is we want them to be true, or at least the, the realities behind them. We want them to be true. We want the reality of these stories more than we might want our own reality. We want the good guy to win. We want the bad guys to change. Sometimes we want them to not exist anymore. Um, and in the end, we ultimately want everything to work out. So we read or hear or watch these stories and they, they stir us because deep down we, we want to believe. Um, we were watching, uh, rewatching The Force Awakens, watching the whole series of Star Wars uh, movies with our kids last night. My mom was with us and she cried at the Han Solo scene uh, in The Force Awakens. If you've not seen it, I'm not going to ruin it for you. She was just drawn up into the story because she remembers the other others as a kid. And it's just an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, we want to believe uh, that death is not the end, that we can hold on to our loved ones, that, that evil is not going to triumph. Um, even if we acknowledge that these stories, the movies and the books and everything aren't true, uh, we believe the underlying realities that they're trying to communicate should be or, or ought to be true. So we come to the Christmas story and at first glance, it, it looks and smells and tastes a lot like all these other stories. Here's a story about someone from another world breaking into our world. They have miraculous powers. They do amazing things. His enemies turn on him. They even end up killing him. And then when all hope seems lost, he triumphs over death and then saves everyone. And we read that and we think it's just another story among all the great stories that we've heard in our lives that we want to be true. However, if you examine this story, you start to realize that it's presented quite differently. If you were listening when it was read early, this story is presented like history. It's not presented like legend or fantasy. And the primary reason that it's presented that way is because it is history, but it's also presented that way because it's essential. It's vital to our understanding or our grasping of Christianity. You could say Christmas is essential to Christianity. J.I. Packer, influential Christian theologian, said this about the incarnation. Okay, God taking on flesh. Okay, when we talk about Christmas, we're talking about the incarnation. He said this, God became man. Divine son became a Jew. The almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby. Unable to do more than lie and stare and wriggle and make noises, needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child. The babyhood of the son of God 
was a reality. The more that you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as the truth of the incarnation. Packer goes on to say this. He says, many people say, I can't believe in miracles. They can't believe that this Jesus could walk on water or that he could raise the dead. They may also find issue with the atonement that one man's death could wipe out the sins of billions of people. That seems impossible to them. However, Packer argues it is from misbelief or at least inadequate belief about the incarnation that these difficulties arise. But once the incarnation, once Christmas is grasped as a reality, these difficulties dissolve. If there is a God, he says, and if he has become human, why would you find it incredible that he could do miracles and pay for sins or rise from the dead? I've heard people argue that if you grasp the resurrection, if you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, that validates everything else. If he rose and he, he said he would, then, then, then that validates everything else that he said he would do. Everything else is true. And Packer's making the same argument, but utilizing Christmas. He's saying if the incarnation, if Christmas is true, then everything else makes sense. It's hard to argue with everything else. If God became man, if God became man, surely he can do miracles and rise from the dead. This is partly why Christmas is so important and grasping the reality of it is so important. This is partly why it's not presented like a make-believe story, even if people want to believe it is. The gospel writers, some of which you heard earlier, state it very plainly. Matthew just says, this is how it happened. The birth of Jesus took place in this way, and then they just fill in the details. We have historical figures. We have historical places, places you can still go to, people that existed. We have details that are pointless in stories of fantasy. The authors that we have read tonight and the others we have not read just recorded history and passed it along. You think about it. Matthew, which is read a moment ago, starts with a genealogy. No, no. No legend is started with a genealogy. Luke starts his his account by engaging an individual that he wants to tell about what has happened. A guy named Theophilus to the four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Jesus is not a mythical creature. He is not the stuff of make believe. He is a real historical figure. What we spend a month reflecting upon celebrating this time of year They would just say it happened. Here it is. Here's our eyewitness account. There may be elements of it that you struggle with, but it's history. Nonetheless, the biblical writers are saying this clearly. This is not just a a set of nice stories to inspire. We were witnesses of these events. We can testify. We touched him and saw him and ate with him. This all really happened. And there were plenty of other people around that could tell you if it did not. And this story, which they're telling us about, is good news. Christmas is good news. That's why it's, it's called gospel. Okay, Those, That word gospel just means good news. The Christmas story is good news. Not good advice, but good news. And that's a key distinction. So think about it. Advice is, is counsel. So if I were to give you advice, it's counsel on, on what you should do. News is a report on something that has already been done, something that has already happened. Advice urges you to make something happen, to take steps or to take initiative. News just says 
this has already occurred and you simply need to receive the news and respond to it. Advice says it's up to you to act. News says someone has already acted. So maybe take this illustration that uh, I've actually used before on Christmas Eve. So let's assume an army is invading a city. What is that city? What does that city need to do in that moment if they know that there is an invading army coming? At that particular moment, particularly if they've never been invaded, they need, among many things, military advice. They need to know what to do. They need advice from those that are experts on how to respond to what is to come. They need to develop a strategy. Here's how to defend. Here's how to flee. Here's how to negotiate. Here's how to attack. However, if in the process of that army coming Toward this city, a benevolent king intercepts them and defeats them. That city no longer needs advice on a military strategy. They need a messenger to come say the army has been defeated. Messengers come and tell you what has been done. Counselors or advisors tell you what you need to do. Messengers deliver news. Related to the birth of Jesus Christ, related to Christmas, we have messengers that have brought us glad tidings of great joy, as it's called. Messengers who have come to tell us the king has intercepted the enemy and he has saved us. For this reason, the biblical Christmas story is not a fable that inspires people how to live. It's not a moralistic story that exists among all the other moralistic story. There is no moral to the story at Christmas. We hear about shepherds, Mary and Joseph. We even have King Herod. We have wise men. They are not in the story held up primarily as examples. There are things we can learn from them, but the story doesn't exist to finally say, be like Mary or be like Joseph or not like Herod. The gospel story Okay, the historical account doesn't exist primarily to tell us what we should do. It exists primarily to tell us what has already been done. The birth of the Son of God into the world, the incarnation, is gospel, good news. I love this quote from uh, Tim Keller, former pastor up in New York, explaining how the incarnation is ultimately good news. He says this. He says, Christmas is the most unsentimental, realistic way of looking at life. It does not say cheer up. If if we will all just pull together, we can make the world a better place. The Bible never counsels indifference to the forces of darkness, only resistance. But it supports no illusions that we can defeat them ourselves. Christianity does not agree with the optimistic thinkers who say we can fix things if we try hard enough. Nor does it agree with the pessimist who only see a dystopian future. The message of Christianity is instead things really are this bad and we can't heal or save ourselves. Things really are this dark. Nevertheless, there is hope. The Christmas message is that, Keller says, on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You note there that it says... That from the world, it doesn't say from the world a light has sprung. It says upon the world a light has dawned. The incarnation, God made flesh, makes Christianity distinct from any other religion or irreligion 
Think about it. The founders of every other religion of the world say in one way or another, I am here to show you the way to spiritual reality. Now, all you have to do is this to find it. Some may deem that good advice, but it's not good news. Jesus comes and says, I don't have good advice for you. I have good news for you. You could never, no matter how hard you try, come up to me. So I've come down to you. Now, we know that what we celebrate, what we are celebrating, what we will celebrate tomorrow, Christmas, is just the beginning of the story of how God came to save It's just the beginning of the good news, okay? not the completion of it. Jesus, the baby born in Bethlehem, will eventually die on a cross outside of Jerusalem. So there's a coming death, there's a coming grave, but there's also a coming resurrection. Yet the whole of Jesus's life and salvation are here in the Christmas story in, you might say, embryonic form. It's been said that if you can truly grasp Christmas, then you'll understand basic Christianity. Okay. Christmas foreshadows everything else that is to come. So think about it. Jesus had to be laid in a manger so that one day he could stand in our place. He had to be born like us so that one day he could die for us. Will Christianity improve your life? You can argue that it will, that it does in many ways. But it's not primarily about self-improvement. It's not just another place to find inspiration or guidance. It's a place to find salvation. Christmas, if you grasp it, says at least two things simultaneously. So Christmas, if you can grasp it, says at least two things simultaneously. First, it says you need to be saved. And second, it says you can't save yourself. You need to be saved and you can't save yourself. If the former is false, then the latter is unnecessary. If the former is true and the latter is false, then Christmas is unnecessary. But if both are true, that you can't save yourself, okay, and you need to be saved, then Christmas is great news. Christmas is glorious news. It also says two other things. Christmas says that it's so bad that God had to come himself. Christmas says first that it's so bad that God had to come himself, while it also says that God loved us so much that he chose to come himself. Listen to what Keller, how he just, again, weaves this idea of 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 the fairy tale theme I've been mentioning in with what I just said. He says at Christmas, God punched a hole between the ideal and the real the eternal and the temporal, and came into our world. This means that there is an evil sorcerer in this world and that we are under enchantment and there is a noble prince who has broken the enchantment and there is a love from which we will never be parted from. So think again of the longings that sort of the the heroine tales and the legends and all of that sort of stir up in us. Think about those longings that come up in us as we watch and we read. That's deep down. That's not just escapism. okay? where we desire some alternate reality deep down. So many of those stories are pointing us back to the true story, to the Christmas story. The one story that actually brings all of those longings to reality, the one story that does eventually end with evil triumphing over or with good triumphing over evil. The one story where. Death doesn't prevail in the end. The one story that eventually record 
just reverses the course of history and the course of our individual lives. If this is true, if the Christmas story is true, if everything that we've sung about, read, and I've talked about for these brief moments is true, then it prompts a question. Christmas prompts a question. Do you believe it? If the Christmas story gives meaning to every other story that inspires us, and it's the only story that fulfills the longings that are created by those other stories, then belief in this one is essential. And being reminded of it is crucial. It's for this reason and so many others we give so much attention to Christmas. It's why we celebrate Advent. It's why we're gathered right now. It's why we, if you're a part of this church, why we handed out devotionals and why we focus so much on the Christmas story and being reminded of it. Really, everything we do around Christmas, big and small, can point us or remind us of the magnitude of this story. It it all has the ability, everything from the tree to the lights to the food to whatever. And I think, and, and I'll try to wrap up with this, I think Douglas McKelvey sums it up well. He says, our glittering ornaments and Christmas trees, our festive carols, our sumptuous feast, by these small tokens, we affirm that something amazing has happened in time and space, that God on a particular night in a particular place so many years ago was born to us, an infant king, our prince of peace. Our wreaths and ribbons and colored lights, our giving of gifts, our parties with friends, these have never been in in and of themselves. They are but small ways in which we repeat that sounding joy first proclaimed by angels in the skies near Bethlehem. So I hope our time together tonight, if you are a member here, everything that we did up to this, our time together tomorrow. Whatever you have tonight, whatever you will do tomorrow, I hope it all is a small token to remind you of the story that surpasses all others. Let's pray together. Father, we we are thankful. We are thankful for this story. For how you, in patience and grace... Brought some of us to know it, to receive it, to embrace it, and to follow it. And how in grace and patience you've continued to remind of others of it as well who may not have embraced it. So we just praise you for Christmas. We, we praise you for the incarnation. Your son, God the son, taking on flesh. Living perfectly, dying sacrificially and rising victoriously. It all it all started here. It all started at Christmas. This made it all possible. And for this, we have. Much to rejoice. So we pray that you would lead our hearts in the moments we have left here. And then as we depart from this place. To make much of you for what you have done. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.